0: Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. This is the podcast that talks about the people, finance, and technology powering tomorrow's communications networks. I'm Phil Harvey. I am working on two and a half hours of sleep and four cups of coffee. And we are at Mobile World Congress 2019. Is that what you're? <laughs> okay. 2019.
1: Uh, I'm joined by Ray Lemaitre, editor in chief of Light Reading. Hello, Ray. Hey, Phil. Yeah, it is definitely 2019. It's definitely Mobile World Congress. I've had 24 hours sleep, and I've got 12 cups of coffee in me at the moment. So uh, I'm way ahead of you on practically everything.
0: I'll have to let you do most of the talking then, because this is uh, this, I, I don't know that I can handle it. But um, there, there's, of course, we're going to uh, talk about 5G on the site and everywhere else all the time. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, for this podcast, we'll... Uh, step away from 5G just a little bit and talk about some of the technology areas that are also hot in, in the in the realm of mobile networks, but also just in
1: terms of uh, advancing communications networks generally. Yeah, I mean, I think still the when people that are at this show are talking about 5G, they are still mainly talking about the radio access network and the developments there. And obviously there's been new smartphones that have been announced at this show. But in the broader scheme of things, five G for five G to happen, as we've discussed on Light Reading before now, needs a lot more things, pieces of the five G puzzle to come together, and that's where you know the transport networks, edge computing, uh, the the analytics and AI capabilities, all of those things they're really very closely associated with the whole five G vision, and it's, and it's good at this event to be seeing that there is there's quite a lot of that going on but not necessarily carrying that that 5g marketing badge right. uh, which probably makes a lot, lot sense. of sense and might might be a little bit confusing
0: yeah the the, the um it, it's it, they're all are interdependent at some point and that's where i think um uh, you know that you can't really start talking about one and completely avoid talking about the other but one of the more interesting things i am seeing is um, the industrial application of we'll call it edge computing and it, it'll use 5G but it could use 4G as well depending on the application but the, the general advancement of uh, what looks to be you know, manufacturing and, and uh, manufacturing automation we, we seem to be on the verge of a really big breakthrough there um, one of the things on the show floor you see a lot of robot arms and robotic
1: uh, uh, I've I heard that there's a robotic barista in Hall hall 4 on the KT stand. I've, I've only heard of this so far, but I understand that there is a, uh, a, a remote-controlled robotic barista making coffee for people on the KT stand. That's where I'm going after this to find out if, if the IoT vision is really coming to... Coming to my hometown. <laughs> uh,
0: that's an advancement of a, of a of a of a slightly different sort, but it but it it, it still uh, hits all those same themes, which is um, they're taking the computing power, the the sort of the, the thinking out of the um, manufacturing floor device, the robot, you know, the robotic arm. They're making those machines simpler. They're putting the computing in the edge. So it's nearby. And then those devices are suddenly more interchangeable. And then they add mobility to that too. And suddenly they're um, not just interchangeable, uh, they're less expensive and they're way more flexible. So they can configure factory floors and manufacturing scenarios in in many more different ways than they could when they were bolted to the floor and wired with fiber. And I, I think that's going to um, unleash a bit of creativity in terms of how uh, we manufacture goods and how different uh, uh, different items are built. When we do that, I think the thing that's kind of exciting is it it may drive the price of certain things down, or it may allow for things to be built here that haven't been built, you know, here in the past. So. There's uh, And built here, I'm not talking about Spain, but it could be built anywhere. I'm um, saying U.S. manufacturing in particular because it's, it, let's face it, it's on its ass right now. Um, the, uh, uh, so anyway, that's the, that was one thing where it was sort of like you couldn't avoid talking about 5G because 5G is necessary for some of those scenarios. But, um, but a lot of them just were simply taking advantage of um, localized cloud computing or edge computing Near enough to a device where they could simplify uh, what was, you know, simplify a device that usually had a lot of processing power built inside of it. What uh, what else have you seen bes- besides baristas uh, out on the uh, show floor?
1: I have seen quite a few baristas, and obviously I'm going to go and check out the, that uh, the the robotic one in, in in Hall Four. But I think to, to to follow on what you were talking about there. Um, In terms of edge computing, that's part of the distributed cloud. Um, And while that is still uh, evolving uh, and becoming part of the operator strategies, there's definitely a move and it's one of the things I've noticed uh, this year at the show. There's a lot more companies talking about how they are working with the public cloud companies who are also getting into that distributed cloud and moving closer to the edge. A lot more companies talking about how they are working with the the Google Clouds, the AWSs, the Microsoft Azures of this world, and how they're leveraging those platforms to uh, deliver services or applications or or, or try and uh, bring new business models uh, to the industry. And I didn't really see quite so much of that last year. Everything was 5G last year. There's obviously a great deal of uh, 5G messaging and marketing going on this year. But there's definitely, if you look around, you know, the, uh, companies like, for example, like Red Hat, have, have I think, a much bigger presence or, or making more noise this year about the, the way they're helping with uh, the, the kind of, the, those cloud strategies and the, and the next step of virtualization. There's actually a lot of traditional software companies who, are, who have now moved to that, that public cloud and are providing different operational and business models to the operators and providing additional capabilities and a lot more flexibility. I think at the end, the starting point will be lower costs, but ultimately I think it'll come down to to new business opportunities, uh, but also greater competitiveness, because greater competitiveness. That's that's the 12 coffees kicking in there. Yeah. (laughs) But um, because, of course, once you get to the public cloud, you can start working with AWS, but why not work with five public cloud platforms and pick the best out of each one to do what you need to do.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's it, 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 What I like about the direction that that's going in is, um, well, it does challenge the the traditional telecom operators because they have to figure out how to play in some of these new business models. And what I mean by that in, in general is, um, I was talking to uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers, BWC, uh, yesterday, and they've done a fair amount of research about telco business models and how they're evolving. And um, one of the things they're noticing is sort of telcos are gonna have to either decide what verticals they play in and really stick to their knitting in those verticals, or they're going to have to become enablers of all sorts of other business models that sort of stay in the background sometimes, um, you know, and, and, and only pursue those opportunities uh, sort of in, in the front where they know that they have the brand um, to carry it off. Um, some of the things you were just talking about where the um, software companies and cloud companies are um, you know, de- delivering services in different industries, the telco might be involved in those transactions or in those deals or in d- the delivery of some sort of service, but they might be way in the background and just enabling the whole thing. And I, I think that's a new, um, m- maybe a new position for them to be in. They usually try to put their brand out front but if you think about where, you know, things like in the Industrial Internet of Things and some of these other um, uh, areas, the telco brand is not the one you think of when you go for, um, you know, buying a robotic solution or buying something like that. So you would want to partner with the brands in that space that already have the, the mind share, the market share, and, uh, and the attention of the industry um, to, to, to have the best shot. So. I'm I'm geeking out on that stuff quite a bit because I think that this is sort of uh, the early days of telcos becoming um, much different kinds of companies than they are now. Um, We already see hints of that with smart cities. Some of them are just providing smart cities point solutions. Some of them are doing a really, really broad approach and uh, partnering with uh, all kinds of companies and becoming sort of these, uh, you know, huge integrators of services and of technologies and providing the service that way and of course connectivity is part of that that's that's what they do well but what they're trying to do in the meantime is avoid getting left out of that deal um, and I, I think that's that's also sort of informed the thinking there so maybe the big the big telcos are going to be uh are going to look quite a bit
1: different in about five years time absolutely and I I'd like to come back and and talk a little bit more about that evolution of the the telco models, uh, and also maybe get to some of the fun bits of what we've seen so far in in the second part of the podcast.
0: Sounds good. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back on the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey, joined by Ray Lemaitre. Um, we were waiting for guests, but it's really, really hard to get people, uh, on this, uh, away from all their appointments and stuff like that. Um, so this time let's talk about, uh, for this segment, let's get into some of the fun stuff we're seeing on the show or some of the silliness, but we also, I guess at first want to get back into, um, uh, telco business models a bit. Um, what's going on there?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I think everybody's been talking for a long time now about how the, the, the network operators need to find new revenue streams and new ways of doing business. Uh, we're certainly seeing evidence of that. People have been talking for a little while already uh, about how Orange, for example, a couple of years ago, it, it bought a bank. So it, it is now in the banking business and, it, and it's building up that, uh, that, that side of its business. And we'll see how that plays out. But obviously, it's, it's diversified. But, you know, uh, taking payments and helping to provide financial services is obviously something that a lot of operators uh, already do, uh, especially in in a lot of the developing markets. Uh, But also, I think, you know, uh, here at the show, Telefonica uh, held a a media uh, presentation and a lot of media turned up and I think they were really disappointed not to hear about 5G because what they heard about was the development of Telefonica's uh, customer care strategy, which is maybe not particularly sexy, but they 've been developing this new customer care strategy using artificial intelligence but actually properly using artificial intelligence to to to, to develop models and, and, uh, and not only develop bots but actually figure out the trends they have uh, from their customer data uh, and getting a lot better at that now that 's taken some time it 's not an overnight thing but they've now reached the point where, they, where, where they're gonna use the same platform that they've used to develop um, smart uh, customer service bots and uh, to, uh, to learn, learn more and dig deeper into their customer data. And they're now, going, they're now developing smart home services where it's not just Telefonica uh, developing those services, but they're opening up the APIs to bring in third parties be bringing their applications and services into that as well and I think you know this is where all these companies need to go no one company can do it by themselves you need to be a platform and and the Adil the Amazons of this world have shown that that is the way forward you have to be a platform where other people can play a part and I think slowly but surely the telcos are getting that
0: yeah, it does seem so, and um, I, I, that's another example of um, what what does the telco become in a couple of years when they really embrace these other uh, areas that they they have the connections and the infrastructure already set up. I mean, being a bank is a is a natural extension of a telco's capabilities and their uh, connection to consumers, especially and their reach with mobile networks. There's a lot of uh, uh, banking type services they could provide um, fairly easily. I mean, easily from where I'm sitting, uh, <laughs> but a lot of engineers just fainted. Um, but uh, uh, you know, relatively easily compared to building entirely new networks, I guess.
1: <laughs>
0: um, so let's get into a little bit about some of the um, some of the silliness at the show. I mean, one of the things about You know, a show this big is you get a hundred some odd thousand people in one place and surely we're going to have people inconvenienced. We're going to have people running into one another because everybody, everybody I'm passing in the hall now seems to be trying to film what's going on while they're walking. (laughs) provided one of the more challenging walks because not only are they looking down at their phone like normal just checking their schedule but they're actually uh trying to compose while they're walking and on the people movers it's particularly uh scary
1: Uh, that central runway is like collision collision central isn't it? it's like people bouncing off each other left right and center yeah it's it's, 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 usually carrying a cup of cold coffee so that's uh there's a lot of stainage
0: yeah, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people uh, apologize. They're going to come back and look at these videos later, and they're just going to have uh, forty minutes of them going, "Oh, sorry, sorry, I'm so sorry, sorry," and uh, you know, as they're bumping into people all the way around. But um, another uh, thing I've seen that's that's changed over the years is the uh, th- there is kind of a coffee revolution going on. There, there, there are so many stands now with uh, their own espresso machines and things like that. So I uh, I applaud the industry for going in that direction, and I say keep it going. And the only way to stand out is to completely outdo your competition here. So, study up and get some good coffee. And everybody, uh, next year, let's have twice as many stands with coffee on them. Not for that. Says the the guy who had two hours sleep. Um, Third thing, um, all of these lanyards.
1: What the hell? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Everywhere you go... People are so glad to see you, as long as you're prepared to swap out the the the, the, the lanyard holder, because we've also got physical badges in 2019. Nothing, nothing's virtualized there. But I mean, this is uh, I've only been here a day and a half. Um, the
0: the thing that I always like about the show badge is it's it's uh, larger and heavier than a passport or anything you would normally carry around your neck or in your wallet. Um, it has branding on every square inch of it. At some point, we're just gonna go straight to sandwich boards and we're gonna be walking around with uh, sandwich boards and sponsors will be running up with chalk and changing the logo every five minutes. As long as it comes with a ham on sandwich, I don't care, (laughs) I'm I'm off. Right, Um, so so those are uh, a couple of the things. I guess to, to to round out our discussion of the, of what we've seen on the show floor, um, uh, what are we not seeing on the show floor? Is there anything you were looking forward to um, talking about or getting into that just doesn't seem to be here in in great amount? Um, for for me personally, that I I, um, uh, I I usually see lots of content companies that I want to talk to, companies that are trying to develop. Um, content for specific devices or specific medium, and given that we've had such a concentration of uh, attention on 5G, I just figured there would be a, a little bit more going on in the content realm. I've seen a lot of device-oriented stuff, you know, um, AR and VR headsets and things of that sort, but I think all they're really demonstrating is the uh, uh, the connectivity part of it. Um, I haven't really seen anybody creating stuff specially for 5G networks or especially for Uh, low-latency environments that's kind of um, maybe I'm just missing it it is a massive show after all but um, but but I I expected to to have that highlighted in a bit of a a, a different way
1: Uh, does anything stand out that you were missing I did kind of expect at least some companies to be as a differentiator and to attract people to come and find what the hell are they talking about to 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 be pushing out a 6g message I haven't actually seen that yet, but, uh, you know, that would, that would certainly get, you know, you might get, actually get some ham on sandwiches thrown at you if you had that on your, on your right. stand, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the thing there's too much of, there are too many cars. This is not a car show. Um, yes, people are going to connect the cars and, and there's a lot of work going on with the automotive industry. But, um, yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah and and yeah that's the, the
0: anything with gullwing wing doors I just I hate it sorry <laughs> I think they're ugly <laughs> so speaking of getting stuff thrown at me I, I think I've, uh, I've made a few enemies now um, let's uh, uh well I guess let's wrap it up I don't I don't have uh, any any other big topics and we still have quite a lot of the show to see it's
1: only Tuesday of the show so we've got it is Tuesday, right? So, okay. it, it is Tuesday. I, I think there needs to be a lot more discussion on the show floor, but also in the evenings uh, about um, uh, the, the 1980s music wars. I think this is very important, and I think a placeholder was set on Monday morning, first thing, first morning of the show, um, where the Ericsson CEO, Boya Ekholm, very clearly came out in favor uh, of the boss, Bruce Springsteen over Duran Duran. Now, that might sound like a a no-brainer. Who's going to pick the Duranis over (laughs) one of the greatest rock icons of the last 40 years? But we'll we'll probably find some in the bars this evening. Uh,
0: I'm sure we will. Duran Duran always has their defenders, and... um... You know, what can you say? They, 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 and, and fortunately, they're usually the loudest ones in the bar. So that that, that part goes uh, goes well together. All right. We'll, please, uh, please kill
1: me now is what I would say to <laughs> that.
0: And we'll leave it there. Thanks for uh, tuning into the Light Reading Podcast. For all of you listening on uh, Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, you there with the headphones, thanks for letting us invade your personal space. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye.